So excited to be with you all. Today is my favorite day of the year. It's the day we get to meet all of our incoming students for the school year. For those of you that I haven't gotten the chance to meet yet, my name is Derek Quimby, and I'm the pastor of Chi Alpha. I'd love the opportunity to meet you after service. This is your first time with us. I'm so stinking pumped that you decided to join us tonight. For new students, I know it can be a little nerve-wracking to try something new and to go somewhere unfamiliar. You might not even know where Lang was before you got walked here by one of our nice Chi Alpha friends. So thank you for stepping out and coming. I pray that you'll feel loved at Chi Alpha. I pray that you're going to find some of your best friends, and I pray that you'll encounter Jesus in a way unlike ever before. Don't forget after service to go into our connect tables out in the lobby. You can get a free t-shirt. There's one like this that's gray. There's a bunch of purple ones, and there's also black ones. You get to pick. That's our free gift to you. You can also get a free Bible, so don't forget to go do that after service. And if you're a returning student, welcome back. I've missed you all so much. The summer seems so long. I'm so grateful to see you all again. You are truly my favorite people on the planet. I love you all so much. Speaking of my favorite people, I thought I should show you a picture of my family before we get started. So if you'll put that picture up. That is my family. It's small, but it's mine. So that's me in a similar outfit to what I'm wearing today. Uh, there's my wife, Taylor, jumping up a little bit higher than me, which kind of made me sad. And then if you look, you'll see my very best friend in the world. My dog's name is Captain Steve Rogers Quinby named after Captain America from Marvel. See, I love him a lot. He's very, very crazy. He will run in circles in my backyard just repeatedly. He just keeps going. He never stops, except when he stops to eat a butterfly, which is probably not good. He's vicious. Just look at him. Anyways, usually, so right now we're on a trampoline, so both ears are up, but usually only one ear is up, and that's really cool. I like that. He's very, very bad. He's poorly behaved, and I love him so much. And then there is Taylor. That's my wife. I like her a lot, too. I love her. I love her more than the dog. I actually met Taylor through Chi Alpha. Before I get there, I want to back up a little bit. Before we get going tonight, I want to share my story. I want to share how I got here because I'm going to be talking at you, so I think it might be advantageous for you to know a little bit about me. See, I grew up going to church every single week. Long story short, my mom was in a car accident when I was about five months old. And in this car accident, I probably should have died, but my car seat malfunctioned in a good way, so that's pretty cool, and it protected me. I'll explain more of that later. That's not the super important thing. What's important, though, is in this accident, my mom did not have as much of a good chance. She actually broke her neck. And when my mom broke her neck, she got connected to a nurse that shared the love of Jesus with her. And because of that accident, my whole family came to know Jesus through that nurse. So for me, I was really young when all that happened, when my family started going to church and loving Jesus. So all I've ever really known is following him. Growing up, I was a typical church kid. I went to youth group. I played bass guitar on the worship team, and I avoided the major sins. If you grew up in church, you know what I'm talking about. In most churches, they tell teenagers there's a few things you need to avoid. They say, don't drink, don't smoke, and don't have sex before marriage. And also, if you can, don't cuss a whole lot. Once in a while, it's okay if it's like during a sport game. But besides that, don't cuss. All of those things are good truth. We don't want to do those things. Those are good things to avoid. However, for me, not doing those sins actually weirdly had a negative impact on me. There's these two thoughts that kind of dominated me. First of all, I thought that as long as I avoided those sins, didn't do the big things, that Jesus and I were good. See, it wasn't really about me spending time with him or being intimate with King Jesus, but rather just obeying these rules he gave me. I never read my Bible. I never prayed or spent time with him, but I just followed the rules. Second, since I did follow these rules and the people around me did not, I became a little prideful. I thought that I was better than other people since I didn't do the big sins. And this created kind of what I'll call a pedestal for myself, a pedestal built on perfection where I was above people because I was perfect. But then my senior year, this pedestal came crashing down. See, my senior year, I got a girlfriend, and that girlfriend did not love Jesus. Her and I did, 
did not honor God with our relationship and we crossed sexual boundaries that we wish we wouldn't have. I never had a moment where I like woke up and I was like, Derek, what you're doing is wrong. But instead, it just kind of slowly ate at me. That summer, I was getting ready to move to Minnesota to be a freshman and to attend Bible college and study music in Minneapolis. And right before I left, the girlfriend and I broke up and I headed off to Minnesota. And at this same time when I was a freshman, my older brother Daniel, who is our pastor at Scent Church, was getting ready to restart Chi Alpha here at UNI. So the school year gets started, he gets Chi Alpha restarted here at UNI, and about a month in, my older brother tells me, I want you to come to a Chi Alpha Fall Retreat. Chi Alpha Fall Retreat's just this weekend where we go away, we have so much fun, we pursue Jesus like crazy, we'll talk more about that later. But my brother wanted me to come. I wasn't very interested. However, my older brother's pretty smart. He knew the way to my heart was not Jesus, like radical worship, that wasn't going to get me. He knew that the way to my heart was not male bonding. I had zero interest in sitting in a campground with males. That did not sound fun to me, sounded smelly, and I was out on that. He knew the way to my heart was a girl. So I was recently single and very lonely and thought that my future was ruined. So he had this lady message me on Facebook. It was one of his Chi Alpha students. Her name was Taylor. And he had, me in, had her invite me to this fall retreat. And I saw the message on Facebook. I'm like, huh, she's cute. So I went. It had nothing to do with Jesus, simply because I thought this girl Taylor was pretty cute. At that fall retreat, not only did I meet my future wife, that usually doesn't work, like don't face a message people to try to marry them. It worked for me, it's like, what's up? But for most people, it doesn't work. But also at that fall retreat, I started to discover the real Jesus. I started to learn that I did not have to earn God's love. And I also learned I couldn't lose God's love, that God loved me right where I was at, no strings attached. The next semester, I transferred to you and I. I got plugged in here with Chi Alpha, and after graduating with a social science teaching degree, I joined the Chi Alpha staff team. And a year ago, my wife and I took over as the directors here at Chi Alpha as my older brother planted Scent Church, our partner church. My older brother used to have my job. Now he pastors our church, so I'd love for you to come to on Sunday. So we've been doing this for about a year, though, my wife and I. My story is not about a single moment. It's more about a process. It's a process of discovering that I'm more flawed than I could ever imagine, while at the same time, I am more loved than I could ever dare dream. It's a process of learning that I do not need to perform for God, that God just wants me to be real and to have a relationship with Him. See, my story was one of constantly trying to find hope. I thought that I'd find hope in being the perfect church kid and getting good grades and getting a a starting spot on the football team. Then I thought, I'll find my hope when I find a girlfriend. Then I thought, when I find my wife, that'll be my hope. We're all looking for hope. This is a generation that I think has lost a little bit of hope. 2020, COVID, political tension, it has kind of robbed us, right? It's left us a little hopeless. On top of this, this generation is hurting. Mental illness is skyrocketing. I know many of you struggle with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. Many of you are wondering, will this ever get better? And in the moment of these surrounding thoughts that are clouding our brains, it's easy to think, I'm hopeless. As mental illness grows, so does loneliness. We are the most isolated generation in history. We can do everything virtually, so friendship and community can be non-existent if we want it to be. Many of you just got here to you and I. Maybe you're wondering, will I ever find friends? Will I ever find a new family? I miss my family back home, but maybe you're scared to make new friends. How is this all going to work? Or maybe you've just lost hope that you'll ever be good enough, that you'll ever succeed. We have a generation that is void of hope. So naturally, we have to try to find this hope. Maybe we try to find hope in chasing our dream, that if I just get that degree, if I get a good job, good pay, and a good family, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have hope. Maybe we try to find our hope in being popular. If I create the perfect TikTok, if everyone laughs at it, if I get a ton of Instagram likes, I just learned how to share something on Instagram today. I didn't know you could share it to your story, and I learned how to do that, so I shared the fall launch thing, and you're all giving me dirty looks. (laughs) 
I'm only 24, so I'm not that old. I just don't know how to use Instagram. Anyways, maybe you're trying to find your hope in that. Maybe you're trying to find your hope in just feeling like you belong. Or maybe you're trying to find hope in just satisfying your desires, just doing whatever you feel like. We think that we'll find hope and fulfillment through just going to as many parties as possible, making as many friends, hooking up with as many guys or girls as I can, drinking or smoking as much as possible. Or maybe some of you are like me, and you try to find your hope in your performance, in getting good grades, making the top band, getting the starting spot. Or for those of you who grew up in the church, maybe you try to find your hope in being that perfect church kid and avoiding all the big sins. You think, if I just avoid those sins, then I'll have hope. We all look to these different things for hope, but I think if we're honest, we still feel a little hopeless. I'm convinced, though, that hope is on the horizon, that it's coming, and I pray for many of you that you'll find your hope tonight. Whether you're here tonight and you're looking for a Jesus community and you're excited and you plan to check out all the ministries, find your home, and you're excited for what God can do, or if you're only here because you were drugged by someone after the Chick-fil-A party and you're hoping to find another chicken sandwich, they're all in some of our leaders' fridges, so if you want to go ask them afterwards. That's gross. They're going to heat them up, and they're like three days old now. Anyways, no matter why you're here, I do believe there's something that's true for every one of you. I think that every single one of you is not here by accident. I think that God has something for you. I think God has a plan for your life. Even if you don't think he's real right now, I think God has a plan for your life. See, you can change the world. God just wants to help you. Tonight, I want to share a story that Jesus shared with his followers. People had expectations for Jesus when he was on earth. They expected Jesus to hang out with religious people, right? He was a rabbi, meaning he was religious. However, he hung out with the sinners. He hung out with the screw-ups. He hung out with the lowest member of society, and they thought Jesus would hang out with the high member of society. And then the religious people, after he started doing this, they started questioning him, saying, Jesus, why are you doing that? Why are you hanging out with those people? Jesus, you're religious. Why are you with the sinners? And Jesus responds with a story. It's in Luke chapter 15. If you have a Bible, you can get it out and turn to Luke 15. If not, that's perfectly fine. We'll have Bibles for you if you want one, and it'll also be on the screen. So in Luke 15, starting in verse 11, it says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. I think we don't get that sometimes in our modern context. What the younger son just did is unthinkable. The younger son just asked for his inheritance. In order to get your inheritance, that usually means your parents have to, like, die, right? You don't just get it willy-nilly. So by him saying, I want my inheritance now, Dad, he's saying, Dad, I don't really care if you're dead. I just want your, what's in your bank account? In any time period, this would be pretty rude, like, if you went to your dad and said, hey, can I have my inheritance? That's kind of mean. But back then, that's even worse, because this patriarchal society means that the father is really the head of everything. The father could have beat him, he could have disowned him, he could have hurt him badly, and that would have been totally justified according to that society's standards. The least he could have done is said, son, no, I'm not going to give you my inher- your inheritance right now. But he doesn't do that. He chooses to give the son what he wants. He lets him have his inheritance early, and his son takes off, forsaking his family and going off to live life the way that he wanted. Let's continue our story in verse 13. Not many days later, The younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, 
He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise, go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, we love you. Father, thank you for this place. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here. God, thank you for our new friends. Jesus, we love you so much. Amen. All right, in Chi Alpha World, when I give a talk, I like to do this thing called give you one point. I'm going to give you one thing to take away, all right? Every week, it'll be the same thing. Different point every week, but it's just one thing. If you get one thing tonight, I pray that is this. Our hope is not in what we do, but whose we are. Our hope is not in what we do, but whose we are. I expect to see this written on all your foreheads the next week. Uh, only my forehead's big enough to take that, so <laughs> keep going. I've got a big forehead, and I do the swoosh. It makes it even higher. It's dumb. I need to get the beaver cut, but maybe next year. Anyways, to the younger son in our story that we just read, he wanted to find fulfillment, and he thought the way for him to do this, for the way for him to be happy, was to go experience the world. So he goes off this distant country to pursue his desires and do what he wants, and then he goes out and he blows all of his inheritance. It's all gone. It gets so bad that he has to go roll around with pigs. And eventually, he says, I just want to be fed with the pigs. That is a moment of hopelessness when you're rolling around with pigs trying to eat with them. The younger son tries to find hope and satisfaction through fulfilling his wants. And in doing that, he loses everything. At the moment of hitting rock bottom, the son has an idea. He gains a glimmer of hope. He remembers his family. He remembers that his father has power and wealth. He thinks that it'll probably take some explaining to do to get back on my dad's good side, but maybe he'll let me be a servant. So he gets ready. He goes on a long journey back to his father, and then my favorite part of the story happens. Verse 20 says this, and he arose and came to his father. Listen to this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The father didn't wait for the son to get all the way back to him. As soon as he saw his son, he runs to him. Running is not something that a man of his stature and his prestige would have done in this time. The men of the family, the leaders, never ran. But he picks up his robe and he runs after his son because he loves him so much. He breaks all societal norms just to show his son that he loves him. He embraces him and he kisses him. He goes on to say this. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. The father doesn't even let him get his cute little speech out. He's like all prepared, like I'm going to get him back. No, the father interrupts him. By interrupting me, showing him, son, you don't have to clean up. Son, I don't need your perfect speech. Son, you don't have to earn your way back into my family. The son just wanted to be a servant, but to the father, that wouldn't do. He says, you're my son. I'm going to restore you as my son He put him right back where he was before he ran off. I think many of us here tonight are like the younger son. Maybe we've been running from God, trying to find our hope and fulfillment in the world, trying to find hope and satisfying our wants and desires. We're trying to find love and hope in a place that cannot deliver, so we feel void of hope. In his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, Henry Nouwen puts it this way, the world's love is and always will be conditional. As long as I keep looking for my true self in the world of conditional love, I'll remain hooked to the world, trying, failing, and trying again. It's a world that fosters addiction because what it offers cannot satisfy the deepest cravings of my heart. Good grades, partying, hooking up, none of it's going to satisfy. None of it will fill the God-sized hole in our hearts. See, I thought if I just get a girlfriend, then I'll be happy. I did, it didn't work. I thought if I just get straight A's, I'll be happy. 
I did, it didn't work. I thought if I just get married, I'll be happy. I did, it didn't work. Just like the younger brother, I was trying to find my hope in what I did. See, nothing has been able to fill this deep craving in my heart because things of this world are not good enough. The world loves us based off of our performance. You have to be a good student, a good son, a good boyfriend, a good athlete. You get it. The problem with this, though, we won't always perform well. We will come up short. We are going to lose sometimes, right? None of us are perfect. So the conditional love of this world that's based off of my performance cannot stand because there will come a time when I don't perform well. However, God loves me regardless of my performance. My hope is not in what I do. I don't have to perform for God to earn his love. This means that I cannot lose his love, that we cannot run too far from God, that we can't screw up too badly. No matter what you've done, no matter what baggage you bring into this room tonight, God still loves you. God loves you regardless of your past and your actions. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. All right, that's kind of intense. I'm going to bring it back. See, when I was in fifth grade, I played football. That's kind of a weird transition. Sorry about that. I played football all throughout high school, but if I'm honest, fifth grade is my favorite year. It was the best team I was ever on. And what also made this fun is in fifth grade, I got to be the starting quarterback, which was my dream. Our team was undefeated. We're just destroying teams. To be honest, I didn't do a whole lot. We had a really good running back, so all I kind of did is hand it off to him, and he would literally carry us to victory. But there's one game we were down, and it was my chance because we had to throw it because we had to score some points. Our coach calls the play. I drop back fully expecting that I'm about to be the hero. I'm the next Patrick Mahomes, baby. I'm about to throw this thing. Two things happened. First, as I threw it, I was absolutely crunched by this like 700-pound defender in fifth grade. It hurt so bad, I remember the pain. I sat and cried on the field. I was, that's still embarrassing. But I did get the throw off, so good news, right? Eh. I threw an interception, which means the other team got it. Not only did I throw an interception, they also returned that pick for a touchdown. Oof. I had failed miserably. I thought, I blew my chance. Am I going to be benched? Would I ever get to throw again? This is my first chance, and I screwed up. But then I remembered whose I was. See, I, I was the coach's son. Because of who my father was, my spot was good, baby. To be honest, my dad being the coach is the single only reason I got to be the quarterback. I was quite chubby, very uncoordinated, slow as dirt, and I looked like this, if you want to show that picture. That is a drop-dead gorgeous bleach blonde fifth grader, if I do say so myself. Those cheeks were made from Jesus himself. The kid next to me went on to play football at Iowa State, but I'm here. What's up? No biggie. This certainly wasn't fair. I do want to apologize. If you're one of those kids that were really talented and you got passed over by one of the coach's kids, I'm sorry. Coach's kids are certainly the worst. I know. My dad coached me everything. I was the starting pitcher, the quarterback, and the point guard, and I stink at sports. So here we go. However, my position was not based off my performance. I was not the quarterback because of my 40-yard dash time, my arm strength, or any talent whatsoever. What I did did not matter at all. I got the position because of whose I was. 
Oh, good. She took it off. That's good. I hate when I look back, like five minutes later, and a goofy-looking picture of me is up. If you want to come back, I have goofy pictures of me pretty much every week. So if that's the only reason, sounds good to me. Anyways, the younger son in our story, he lost all hope until he remembered one thing. When he's with the pigs, he remembered his sonship. He remembered that he was his father's son. And he hadn't lost that, and that's what gave him hope and saved him. Your hope is not in what you do, but whose you are and who loves you. However, God's not going to force you to love him back. Because that's not true love, right? Like, arranged marriages where they're forced, that's probably not true love. True love is not forced compliance, but choice. Just like the father in the story did not force his son to stay home, our father in heaven loves us enough that he wants us to have a choice. So we do have a part to play. We have to turn around and look at him. The moment we do that, though, the moment we turn our eyes back to God, he's going to run straight to us. The younger son didn't have to clean up before he came back to his father, and neither do you. All you have to do to either get back or start a relationship with Jesus is to claim whose you are. But the moment that you claim that you are a son or a daughter of King Jesus, he will run to you, he will cover your mistakes, he'll forgive you of every sin you've ever committed, and he will call you prince or princess in the kingdom of God. Not after you fix everything, but before. The story doesn't stop with the younger brother, though. We have to finish our story with, our, with the elder brother. Let's pick back up in Luke 15, now in verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. The servant's pumped, but the older brother wasn't. He was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. When the younger brother returns, he's thrown a feast. And his older brother comes home curious. What's going on? The servant then explains to the younger brother, it's time to celebrate. But the older brother is disgusted. The older brother will not go to the party. Notice again, the father comes out to the son. Both times he goes against his own honor. He humbles himself because he loves his sons. The older son says, Dad, this isn't fair. I've been the good son. I've done all the right things. However, why did I not get a party? I've earned the rewards. But Father, you're not giving them to me. The Father says, son, all that I have is yours. It was good to celebrate because our family is whole. The older son responds to this, shows his motivations, and it shows where he placed his hope. He didn't serve his father or do all the right things simply because he loved his dad, but rather he did it to earn something. He wanted to put his father into his debt. His hope was not in just being his father's son, but rather his hope was in his performance. The younger son only loved the father for what he could give him, but so did the older son. The younger son was just more honest about it. Too often, this is our relationship with Jesus. We do the right things to put God in our debt. We think that we have to earn the love of God through our actions, but that's not love. That was my story. I put my hope in what I did. I thought as long as I don't drink, if I don't have sex, Jesus and I will be good. I thought I had to perform for God, so when I performed well, my actions made me think that the God of the universe owed me something. This made it so that every time something went wrong, I would get mad at God. 
I was a really weird kid, just let me preface that. But when I was in the eighth grade, I was talking to my pastor's daughter, like romantically talking to her. Yeah, smooth. Amen. Okay. They saw the picture. They don't believe me anymore. It's all right. I'll be honest, I was pretty goofy looking as a middle schooler, and she was pretty cute, so the fact that I had a chance with her proves to me the existence of God, because the only reason I would have gotten her is because I prayed about it, so there's that. But then she decided, a few months in, that she wasn't interested anymore. So I laid in my bed, I put on the script, if you guys know that band, very emotional. I sat there and I cried, and I asked, God, why me? God, I've obeyed you all of my days. I've earned her love. No, the reason, young Derek, is because you do not shower enough. Your hair is long and greasy. You do not know how to talk to girls, and all you want to do is play video games. It's not God's fault. It's because you're not very appetizing. <laughs> Similar thing got to happen when I was like 16, but this story's worse. So I was driving home from football practices, contemplating life. And again, I was really weird. So I wanted to find my wife, and I was like 16. I'm like, I'm going to get married young. Don't judge me. Anyways, my home... My way home from football practice, I start crying out to God, God, why have I not met my future wife yet? I've done all the right things. God, I've earned Mrs. Quinby. No, Derek, you are 16. You do not need a wife right now. Pass calculus first. I think many of us might be a little bit like high school Derek. Certainly not as weird, but I think we think we've earned the favor of God. The only reason that the elder brother didn't go to the party was because he was too prideful. His relationship with his father was not based off of love, but his relationship was based off of obligation. God does not want a relationship with us based off of obligation. Following Jesus should be joyful, challenging, yes, following Jesus is hard, but it should be full of joy, full of life. If your relationship with God has been void of life, void of excitement, void of intimacy, it's not what God wants it to be. The elder brother's relationship with his father was not what the father wanted. For the elder brother, the relationship between him and his dad was about putting his dad into his debt. It's about getting things. But the father just wanted to be with his son because he loved him. He said, son, all I have is yours. What else could you want? We have each other. And God wants the same thing for you. He wants you to follow him and be with him. God wants you to have a personal relationship with him. He wants your hope to not be in what you do, but in who he is. God is not about religious practices, but he's about a heart that desires to be with him. Tim Keller says in his book, Prodigal God, if like the elder brother, you believe that God ought to bless you and help you because you have worked so hard to obey him and be a good person, then Jesus may be your helper, your example, even your inspiration, but he's not your savior. God doesn't want to just be your helper or your example. God wants to be your savior. Not only do we not have to earn God's love, we do not have to earn God's love, we also can't earn God's love. We aren't good enough. We will come up short. We are too flawed. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us deserve to be loved by God. Luckily, though, for us, there is one person who was good enough, and he gave it all for us. See, everything comes with a cost. It's the law of cause and effect. For example, in our story, the younger brother is restored to his family. However, this restoration does cost something. First of all, it costs the father his honor. There's a cost for the older brother as well, though. See, when the younger brother gets to come back home, he gets back into the family. 
he gets his inheritance back. So someone has to give that to him, and that person is the older brother. See, the older brother has to share with him. He had to share his family wealth. See, the grace given to the younger brother was not a free gift. Someone had to pay for it. And that's where our perfect brother comes in. A brother who is willing to pay the price for his lost siblings. Jesus paid the price for our mistakes. Jesus is the perfect older brother. Jesus came to earth and lived a perfect life so we do not have to. Jesus was the only one with a perfect performance. Then Jesus got on a cross and he paid for our sins. Jesus bore our guilt and shame. Jesus bore our punishment simply because he loved us. I want you guys to imagine something. I want you guys to imagine that you're in a courtroom and you're on trial and you know that you did it. You know that you deserve the penalty. The judge goes up to his judge's bench and he announces the verdict. You're guilty. You're guilty of all of it. And your punishment is death. That's what we deserve. We deserve eternity apart from God. However, I want you to imagine you're back in that courtroom and you're looking at the judge who's sitting on his bench. He looks at you and he gets up from his bench and he walks down and he walks up to you. And right before you're getting ready to get your handcuffs put on you, the judge lays out his arms. And he says, take me. Yes, you deserve death, but I'm going to pay the penalty for you. I'm going to pay the price of your mistakes. I'll pay the cost. This is Jesus for us. See, Jesus has to be just, right? We believe in justice because Jesus is good, so there must be right and wrong. And his goodness requires this justice. However, God is full of justice. He's also full of mercy and love. So he pays the penalty so we do not have to. All we have to do is accept his payment. Jesus will not force you to let him pay your penalty, but if you're willing, he wants to shower you with mercy. See, then after we accept this penalty, we see that Jesus died on a cross for us, right? So Jesus died for our mistakes, but see, our God is pretty good. So not only did our God defeat our sin by dying on and bearing the penalty, he conquered death because Jesus, three days after dying for our mistakes, rose from the grave and said, your mistakes will not win today. Jesus said, I am the king. I am the victor. And Jesus rose from the grave and defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave forever so that we can have eternity with King Jesus. We don't only serve a good God. We don't only serve a merciful God and a loving God. We serve a God of power who can defeat anything. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like the younger brother. Maybe you feel like you've been running from Jesus. You fear that somehow you've lost the love of God. Or maybe you think you've never had the love of God in the first place. Jesus is calling you home. You do not have to clean up. You do not have to be perfect. All you have to do is turn around and look at God and he will run to you. He will shower you with gifts and he will call you his son or his daughter. All God is asking you to do is reclaim him. Claim him as father and watch him run to you. Or possibly you relate more to the older brother. Maybe you've grown up in church and you've always done the right thing. You've always felt like you had to earn God's love, though. Too often we're told if we do the right things, then God will love us. When the reverse is true, God loves us, so we should do the right things. 
God is not focused on your actions. He wants your heart. It's not about what we do, but it's about what King Jesus did on the cross. We need to feed it to death. God is calling you to start a real relationship with him. Whether you've been running and need to come home, or you've been home this whole time, but have felt that your value is in your performance, Jesus is pleading with you, saying, my son, my daughter, start a real relationship with me. He just wants your heart. He just wants to be with you. Jesus just wants to be your father. You don't need to fear losing his love or feel like you have to earn it because our hope is not in what we do, but whose we are, meaning of being a son or daughter of God. Would you all stand with me? We are all at the start of a new school year. Many of you are at the start of your college career, your time here at UNI, and you have a choice. Where will you put your hope? Is your hope gonna be in making yourself happy? Is your hope gonna be in other people? Is your hope gonna be in your grades, your music, your sport, your entertainment? And while some of those things are good things, they cannot be our hope. Our hope must be found in King Jesus because the only one who won't fall short. Jesus is it. I promise you, listen to me, you're all at a fork in the road when you're getting ready to go to college. What is your career going to look like? What will these next four years look like? And I promise you that if you choose to jump into community, if you choose to follow Jesus and commit your time to Jesus, whether you have one school year left or four, you will not regret it. I plead you, choose King Jesus. And if you do so, if you dedicate whatever time you have left in college to following God, you will not regret it. You'll look back in a few years and you'll be very thankful for the grace of God. You'll be thankful for the friends that you've made in this community. This is a group of people that loves you no matter where you're at. We just want to help you be as much like Jesus as possible because we love him a lot. I know I'm just meeting you. I've met some of you like five days ago, some of you I haven't met yet. But I care about each and every one of you already. See, I see so many world changers in this room. When we look around this room, we see people who could impact the planet. However, I also see a generation that's lost its hope. I see a generation that is filled of mental health issues, a generation that is filled with loneliness, a generation that's trying to find happiness in what people think of them or just filling their heart and desires, but what God needs is a generation that's on fire because I also see that generation. Your generation does not care what people think of them. Your generation is willing to be blunt and honest. I learned that this past week trying to get people to come to Chi Alpha. God needs a generation like this one to change the world. God needs a generation that isn't willing to go with the status quo, who's willing to stand up and say, all right, God, whatever you want, I'm in. And I promise you that if you do that, if you give your life to Jesus and you run after him, you will accomplish more in these next one, two, three, four, five, seven years than you could ever imagine. See, COVID, politics, conflict, all these things have left us hopeless. But I'm here to tell you that the only hope that will prevail, the only thing that will work is Jesus. I've tried to find my hope in other things and find satisfaction in other things, and it does not work. Jesus wants to work in your life. Jesus wants to be your father. Jesus wants just to give you hope. So the question standing is, will you let him? Will you reclaim your sonship or daughtership? Will you put your hope in what you're doing 
more in whose you are. I have two questions for you all. The first group I want to talk to is if there's any of you who feel like you relate to the younger brother, and if you're honest with yourself, you've been running from God or never been, never called him father ever, and you want to change that tonight, just imagine if you feel like the younger brother who's rolling around with the pigs, and you just want to get up and turn around and start walking towards your father, if that's you tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get up. So if you guys would all close your eyes and bow your head so that no one's looking around, because this is just between you and God, it's not about anyone else. And if you're honest to yourself, you feel like the younger brother, and you want to stand up and you want to look at God so he'll run to you, I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I challenge you to raise your hand, not just to raise your hand, but because sometimes we have to practically do something to show that we're turning around. So if that's you on the count of three, I challenge you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yes, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you guys. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Jesus, I thank you that you love us. God, I pray for these people, these students who want to run to you. God, I pray that as they turn around, they'll sense your presence rushing them, God. Thank you for covering our sins and mistakes, God. Thank you for doing what we couldn't. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. If you keep your eyes shut and your heads bowed, there's a second group I want to talk to. If you're in here, and if you're honest, you don't feel like the younger brother, but you kind of feel like the older brother, and you've just been kind of doing religion, just trying to do the right things and hope that that works out. But your relationship with Jesus isn't intimate. You don't feel like you have a deep personal relationship with Jesus, but you want to change that tonight. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand and say, I'm going in. My college career is about you, King Jesus, not about me. I don't have to earn your love anymore, God. If there's anyone here who feels like you've had to earn the love of God, I'm going to challenge you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you all. Jesus, we love you so much, God. We love you so much, King Jesus. Jesus, thank you for making it so we don't have to earn your love, God. Thank you for making it that you are good enough to do what we could not do. God, I pray for a generation of world changers to impact this campus. God, I pray for a revival on this campus through this group of students in here right now, God. I pray for a group of students who not settle for religiosity, but strive for relationship with you, King Jesus. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful that you're here tonight. I said at the beginning, and I believe it now, I don't think any of you are here by accident. I think God has called this group of people to change the world. So if God did something in your heart tonight and you want prayer, at the end of each service we have groups of people on both sides that during while we're singing this song or after service you can come up and pray with them. Let me pray for us as we go back into worship. Jesus, we love you so much. Jesus, thank you for being such a good God. God, I pray that you will do the impossible. We love you so much, Jesus. Amen.